Have you tried Music to Code By yet? Well, why not? Here's a comment Joe left on the website. This is also great music to mow by. I like listening to music while doing yard work to help the monotony of it seem less tedious. This past summer, I started listening to these tracks while doing yard work, and they worked great. I could let the music play in the background without focusing on it, and it seemed to help me concentrate on getting through my tasks. Thanks, Joe. And you know, now you can download the entire 13-track collection. That's over five and a half hours of music to code by for only 39 bucks. Check it out at musictocodeby.net. .NET Rocks, episode 1406, with guest Louise Elliott, recorded Friday, January 20th, 2017. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. This is Carl Franklin. And this is Richard Campbell. And we are still here in London at NDC London and uh, in somewhere near London, I think. Yes, this is Docklands. It's if almost you, if London. you tell London people you're here, they say you're not in London. You're not in London. <laughs> you have to get on the DLR to yes. be in London. That's how far away you are. You have to get on the DLR. Yep. Uh, okay, small talk aside, let's just get right into it with a little better know framework. All right. All right, what do you got, dude? Uh, I don't know. I've been on this React kick lately. React is a big pile of awesome. It's very cool, and a lot of people are using it. And there's a lot of components out there that you can just sort of modularly drop into your React app. And this right. is another one. This is uh, Victory. It's oh. an open source project from Formidable for modular charting and data visualization. Nice. And, wow, it just looks great. Very um, pretty. Yeah, you look at it. And, uh, there, I mean, it's visual. I'm trying to describe it. Just go there. You yep. know? This is show number 1406. So if you go to 1406.pwop.me, that will get you there. And, uh, wow, just beautiful-looking stuff. Nice. And, you know. Charts and graphs are a major part of uh, any kind of modern app mm -hmm, mm -hmm. monitoring and infrastructure. Dash React, so it's got responsive web design. Works on phones and works on phones. They got all that visualization. This is cool. It looks beautiful. So uh, if you have any experience with it, hey, let us know. Drop us a line. That's what I got, Richard. Who's talking to us? Grabbed a comment of show thirteen oh eight, the one we did with Wes Higby talking about DevOps and really just pressing against the idea that DevOps is just going to become development, that it's a normal set of practices. Right. And Tim says, hey, this was an excellent show. Let me just say that I'm the guy at the end of a half-hour tutorial on what is Agile that raises a question and says, so what is Agile exactly? Mm -hmm. And this conversation raises the question, will business management in the future be completely different to how it is now? Right. We clearly have a disconnect between creating software and using software. So will we train people in the future to bridge this gap? Will there be a time where software developers are also operations supervisors? And on the other hand, will software developers become protectionists, creating obstacles for business people to learn that craft? I've listened to a lot of these shows, and it seems the conclusion is always, it doesn't matter what the methodology is used, just that the job gets done. Right. Obviously, we aren't there yet, but I've given it a lot of thought, and I'm looking forward to the future. Definitely. It seems a little dark, actually. I, I don't think we're going to be obstructionists. And one of the reasons that operations seems to be getting more and more transparent is that we're able to automate more of it so that smart operations people are able to put operations as a service in front of us so that we can create our stuff and get it out there quickly. I definitely think the business is struggling with what technology can do for them. Mm -hmm. And it's getting progressively harder to, to sort of make those things get together. We're getting further and further away from some business folks. On the other hand, the ones that do get it, they're doing very well for themselves technological capabilities these days are awesome. Yep. Yep. 
So, Tim, thank you so much for your comment. The .NET Rocks mug is on its way to you. And if you'd like a .NET Rocks mug, write a comment on the website at .NET Rocks.com or via any of our social media because we publish every show to Google Plus and Facebook. And if you comment there and we read it on the show, we'll send you a mug. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. We always react positively to them. Ah. Except when we got me right in the pun center. Sorry. Yes. All right. Let's bring on our esteemed guest today. Louise Elliott is a software development manager in the finance industry. She has worked in software for around 25 years as a developer, technical architect, and manager. She has successfully introduced Agile and Lean to many companies and is a great believer in the benefits of self-organizing teams. Uh, Ivana the Terror Bull. That's Louise's roller derby name. She skated, <laughs> she skated with the Leeds Roller Dolls Recreational League, the Wrecking Brawls, since 2013. Says she's as passionate about roller derby as about software quality. Welcome to the show. Thank you. You'll fit right in around here. Yeah. <laughs> roller derby is par for the course for us. That's right. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Not that we do it, but uh, we do have friends. We do have friends. that, uh, And also, you used to be a job developer, I understand. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And uh, and yet, nobody's killed me yet <laughs> in DC London, which uh, which is quite impressive. Yeah, kind of old, it's kind of an old battle now. And I, I really feel like we can't pick on Java as long as Oracle's in the picture. They, yeah. They're going to be way meaner to you than we could ever <laughs> hope to be. <laughs> <laughs> You know, once I had a problem, nice. then I used Java, mm-hmm. and then I had a problem factory. Nice. Yeah. As you do. <laughs> we love Java. It's it's a great language, and without it, we wouldn't have C Sharp, so it's yeah. kind of true. Sounds absolutely true. Yeah. And the old the old litigious side of some microsystems, right? When Anders Heilsberg originally made a version of Java for .NET, and Sun got very upset about that, so they made it go away, and it's like, well, then I'll make a different language, and that became C Sharp. Yeah. It's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. And, and yet, um, Java came from C++, and there was mm-hmm. no issue with that. Nice. Yeah. Sure. So, punishment-driven development. I is love this it. a roller derby thing? Do we develop <laughs> on skates? <laughs> whack each I, other? I think it's probably more a, the way my brain works makes me into roller derby and yeah. into uh, punishment-driven is, development. Is it self-punishment? Well, driven? self-punishment is actually one of the things. So, you know, I think... To me, I look around and there's so much that we do that actually punishes other people in the organization. There's so much. So there's the typical thing you think of, blame type culture and, um, you know, the manager saying who's to blame when something's gone wrong. That's kind of the traditional thing that we think of. And and when I talk about, and I do see that, you know, this isn't a a dead thing. You know, this still happens out in the industry. Um, but there's more than just that. There's also things like self-punishment. Mm. When we do something um, that we wish we hadn't done, right. we actually stop our own learning when we're doing that whole self-punishment piece. We're not standing back and saying, what shall I do differently? All we're yeah. saying is, I've done a really bad thing. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I see people wear their technical debt that way. Yeah. Like mm. They're pressed by the organization to move faster and cut corners. They know it's a mistake. There's only, you know, you get to a point where it's like, are you going to walk out? Like, is that what's left? No, you build it. And then you torment yourself about it. Mm. I mean, there's one developer only a few months ago who uh, made a mistake, went on to live thinking he was on test. Right. Um, Immediately realized we ran around, we stopped any customer detriment so nothing ever happened that anyone right. ever knew anything about hmm. um but that for, happens a lot actually it's easy to do yeah for days afterwards he was really down on himself mm. and we of course spent all the time telling him all the stories of all the awful things we've ever done you know yeah. which were far sure. worse yeah. and far worse impact <laughs> definitely remember that um, time i was on fire and crashed out a window <laughs> and fell down 10 floors yeah don't worry you're gonna be okay yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, he wrote himself a note that says do not go on live and put it by his, it's kind of um, um, <laughs> but you know that wasn't helpful to. I mean, he's over it now. But, yes. You know, but he's still got the notes. So I'm not sure how 100 ah, okay. percent over it he is. But um, you know that whole self punishment piece is is a really negative thing. Mm. But I also see it in other ways. I think there's lots and lots of different sorts of punishments. So when you've got a team and there's one person in the team who doesn't quite fit in, right? Mm-hmm. And it and um, the problems with them. You know, nobody likes them. Nobody wants to work with them. They yeah. know it. Yeah. And the whole team knows the problems with them. Mm. But really? Nah, it's not, yeah. you know, so that's not fair. It's not true. So I, 
Yeah, I mean, I worked at one place where um, I saw that. I, I went in and I could see that scenario. Yeah. And as a manager there, they were asking me to fix this situation. So right. the team mm-hmm. were asking me to fix this. Which mean, really means um, fix the person that's exactly, been excluded. Exactly. Exactly. Because obviously it's their fault it's and they're them. wrong yeah, and they're four bad. four of us and one of them. Right. And, um, you know, he would. He would ask stupid questions, basic stupid questions until they stopped him. Right. That would mm. annoy them. He, he wouldn't stick to any decisions that people made in the meetings, even though he was part of making them. Mm. And he was slower on the uptake. They're you know, in meetings, they're talking about things, and he's not necessarily following. Right. Um, but all we did, I asked them to do two things. One was let him finish asking his questions. Right. When he, a lot of the time, found fundamental issues with what they were looking to do. Mm. And secondly, I asked them to just email out what the... Uh, what the decisions were right. if were the just a quick little little only if there were decisions made you know one yeah. sentence absolutely fine and then he stuck to every single decision right you know uh, i mean my husband is similar in this in that if it's a verbal decision it doesn't feel as real to right. him it doesn't stick yeah as if it's a written down decision even if he's been part of making i don't email my husband with the decisions we've made yeah 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 i just I've, hit him when he when yeah, he tries, yeah, no. tries Actually, to renege on them if my wife doesn't email me things we talk about i will forget i'm, <laughs> I'm that way yeah. yeah i am definitely one of those it, learners and I think it's it, this has got nothing to do with being smart or dumb. It's no. how your brain records Abs- stuff. Yeah. It, it's the way that you think. And this yeah. guy, once he was integrated in, mm. he brought things to the team that sure. nobody else in that team brought to it. Valuing right. the differences you know? there. And Absolutely. And whenever I see that, whenever I see a kind of ostracized team member, it's nearly always because of neurodiversity type things. They're not thinking the same way. And that's bad. Right. Right. Instead of incredibly valuable. Right. You know? Well, there are, uh, what, at least four extremes of personality types and everybody fits somewhere within a circle. Right. So if you put east, west, north and south as the extreme archetypes, if you will, and then, you know, somewhere in, in the circle, everybody is is in there in terms of a learning style mm-hmm. personality type how we get our information about the world mm-hmm. uh, how we understand things and it's typical the more polar you are and towards any one direction the the more you distrust the person's type on the opposite side and, and it's just been shown over and over again to be true and so if you f- sort of figure people out and and see what they what they need and how they process the world you can sort of adjust like you did i mean that's but, a perfect example I mean, it, it but it's such fun to do that sure you know and i think i don't understand why um software developers traditionally don't view themselves as having good people skills and sure. good things because it's the same thing yeah. it's problem solving right you know you are um I, I spend time, I'm a manager now, I have to introduce changes, I have to do things, sure. sort of that. I will spend my time trying to predict how that individual will respond to that from my knowledge of that person. Yeah. People are not interchangeable, they are all different. Yeah. Um, if I try to manage them in the way that I wanted to be managed or the way that I naturally would manage, then that's about me mm-hmm. rather than being about them. So understanding them as well as I reasonably can. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will predict and I will try and do things in such a way that it makes everybody in my group as happy as they can be. Mm. And, um, and the solutions to things similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, and when they, uh, react in a way that I didn't expect. So we had a change a few months ago. One person reacted really fine who I expected to have a huge problem with right. it. Mm. And another person actually had a huge problem with it who I expected to be fine. <laughs> and that's really interesting to me. You know, when that happens, I'm mm. like, okay, I need to update my model. I need to try and understand what's behind that. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of software techniques, a lot of agile techniques, um, really useful when dealing with people such as um, lean startup experimentation, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. So if the first Permission thing you try yep. exactly doesn't work, right? Kind of you've you've got your hypothesis. You think this is the way that that person you want to have that conversation with that person to understand what it is that they need, mm. and it didn't work. Yeah. Then you go back and you create a new hypothesis, and you go back out there and try again. Yeah. Um, and I think every individual deserves that respect that you are trying to manage for them and no. not for you. Not to you. Indeed. Yeah. But to them. Indeed. And, it, and like I said, I feel like it's just fitting a set of puzzle pieces together. And the piece and the puzzle, the assembled puzzle is so much more valuable than the pieces. Yeah. Mm. And it, and it, and puzzles don't work if all the pieces are the same. You yeah. actually need different pieces. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm also a firm believer in this idea that uh, we don't want everyone to agree all the time. That that Definitely I like not. tempered steel, right? That you need a certain amount of friction to make the best solution. And that everyone agrees we haven't explored an area thoroughly enough. I totally agree. Mm. I, I actually really like a good debate. Right, yeah. Um, and uh, I am quite happy to be told I'm wrong. Yeah. Mm. If sure. I know I'm not wrong, that's also absolutely fine. Because yeah, I can fine. say that back again. And, you know, yeah. and, but I really love a good debate. This is, there's um, something incredibly powerful about running a set of concepts completely to ground. So that, that we then are all on the same page. We've come mm-hmm. from four different directions on this problem mm-hmm. space. And now everybody understands everyone else. And we sort of come to real consensus. It's time consuming, though. It takes a it while is, to get it, there. But it's also very rewarding. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, people say that to me about management as well and, and sort of doing the sort of work I'm talking about, about mm. trying to get to know the people. Mm. And, but why, if you were writing software, you wouldn't be tr- not trying to get to know the requirements, not right. trying to get to right. know, you know, you, you that's need your to get job. To know the problem space. Oh. That's your job. Sure. We, we t- it's human nature to think that, uh, if we, f- if we meet somebody who doesn't think like us and doesn't process information like us, then, then there's something wrong with them, you know, because we can't imagine ourselves getting information that way and, and understanding things. It's fun, things. though, isn't yeah. it? Mm. You know, it I, really I find and people infinitely fascinating. Yeah. And when you find out that there really isn't a threat, yeah. you know, that it's all sort of a, an illusion, the threat is kind of an illusion. It's, a it's kind of like, isn't it, spending time in another culture? Right. Yes. And discovering things about yourself. Yeah. That, you know, I, I lived in the U.S. for a few years and, um, you know, I'd heard the phrase, the British sense of fair play, mm-hmm. but I didn't think that there was anything particularly British about it. Everyone I had ever spoken to, you know, I think there's a belief that things should be fair. Not yeah. that they are, yeah, right. but yeah. that they should be. Yeah. That's just fundamental. Um, and I remember living in the US and sort of having a discussion with someone and going along the whole logical argument piece of this has happened and that's not fair, which they agreed with. And then this built on top of that and that wasn't fair. And we got sort of all the way along this chain. Mm. And then I said, so therefore it ought to be like this. And they went, no, why? Mm-hmm. Like, what do you mean why? We've just yeah, had the yeah. whole argument all the way up. Yeah. And, you know, those sorts of things really help you learn about yourself. And right. that's really... What your assumptions are. Yes, you know, absolutely. That conversation started with an assumption. Mm. That, I that, didn't even know I had. It was, it yeah. was an assumption. It's yeah. only when it gets revealed to you that you're like, oh, I have an assumption. Yeah. Mm. Surprise. And as long as you're living in a world where everyone has the same assumption, yeah. you're never going to see it. Yeah. Mm. And I used to have that. You know, when I very first was programming, the first time I ever had to do anything where I had to sort of lead some other people in doing that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I assumed everyone was motivated by the same things that motivated me. Sure. Sure. Easy and to do. One of the guys, there was only three of us, and we'd worked together for ages, and one of the guys absolutely was, and we had no problem at all. The other guy just suddenly stopped delivering anything. He'd been fine before. <laughs> and I spent about six months trying to work out what was wrong with him right. before I realized the question was, what was wrong with me? Yeah. Mm. And it was such a valuable lesson for me. Mm. But the, there is something, I think, until you are almost slapped around the face with the fact that this isn't the case, you do assume yeah. that the world and people are like you. So you... Punishment-driven development yeah. means just follow the pain, maybe. You know, follow the pain. Follow the pain. Where there's maybe, pain, there's an opportunity for f- improvement. Maybe find the reason for the pain. You yeah. Know? I'm often asked um, around this subject, what do you do be around maybe a member of the team who's not pulling their weight or right. something like that? Mm. Um, I'm a huge believer. You know, the theory X, theory Y stuff. I'm a huge believer that people want to make a difference at work. Right. Sure. Nobody goes to work going, I'm really looking forward to doing nothing today. Yeah, that's right. They really want to make a difference. And if you've got somebody who is in nine to five, is trying not to do the least that they can do while they're in the office, mm-hmm. my question is, what has happened to them? Yeah. Why are they in that place? Sure. Because it's always because they've been shut down. They've had these ideas. They've not been allowed to do anything. Right. They've been told that's not your job. Get on with writing code. D- do whatever they've been forced into a place where they are completely disenchanted right they don't think they can make a difference even if they wanted to for whatever reason so what's the point in keep trying yeah and they kind of go into that place Mm. so in some ways they're waiting for someone to call them out yeah Mm. and 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 every day that you don't they get angrier actually so you know my view on that is they want to make a difference yes let's find out what does motivate them let's find out what happened that 
did make them unhappy and how mm. deep-seated that is. You know, and let's actually see whether there's anything we can do to get them to enjoy their job because that's what I care about. Yeah. Sure. Um, yes, that's good for the organization because of productivity, etc. But the main thing I care about is actually that they're happier in doing their job. Right. Um, and I've never had a situation where I've had to manage someone out in that scenario. Mm. Now, I'm not saying there never would be. No. I'm sure there are some people who are so deeply entrenched in that mm. that I've, it may I've not be solvable. I've absolutely been in a situation where, like, I think it's best that you go. Yeah. And they're always angry, and the next day they're relieved. Mm. Right? Like, there's sort of the, you hit a point where it's like, the, these there's serious problems here, and there's only so much bandwidth. You know, what do you really want? And maybe it's time to stop. Yeah. Right? Like, it's just not fair to anyone. Everyone's suffering. Yeah. And so sometimes the easiest way is just to put some distance on it. It's, it's another form of punishment by the manager as well. If there is performance management problems, if there are problems in the team and they're not addressed. Right. And I see this happen a lot. It's extraordinarily toxic to a team. Yeah. To completely. see that, there, that there's a failure of management within the team yeah. and it's not being addressed or it's being addressed incorrectly. And, and the main reason is, it's a really uncomfortable and difficult conversation to have. Yes. Yes. So managers don't want to do it. They don't want, I mean, it's all very nice to go out and give bonuses out and to sort of do the stuff that's going to make people go, oh, that's nice. I like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but to actually go in and sort of say to someone, you're not really delivering at the level that we know you're capable of, you right. know, and, kind of, and to have that conversation is much harder. Yeah. And um, especially and then, if you, uh, if, if you, ask it in the sense of you know what's wrong with you right mm-hmm. you know what? and it nearly always is isn't yeah. it it's, it's always you are not performing at the level that i right. know you're capable of why aren't you what plan are we going to put in place to get you to where you need to be so oftentimes when i have these conversations you know they it starts with so what's happening in your mm. life what's going on you mm. know and that that is enough of a question i mean i mean i understand something's wrong i don't know what it is i'm not going to make any assumptions why don't you just tell me you know, because I think I think I like that, that whole the whole, uh, you know, why did you do this is is just, you know, gets immediately defensive. And yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, they just swing back. Yeah. And also, um, I get a, a lot of people um, talking to me about the one member of their team who's super arrogant, for example, yeah, and nobody right. likes. Right. But again, I would ask the same kind of question. Why do they feel the need to be like that? Yeah, right. And often I find that someone who is like that is actually the person who feels least capable in the team. Yeah, yeah. And they have to tell everybody they can do everything and the best at everything because they think if they don't do that, everyone will realize what a fraud they are. Yeah. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, you know. Imposter syndrome. Exactly. Um, And is that always solvable? Not always. But, you know, you deserve, they deserve the right for that actually to be addressed and discussed sure well and and to allow them to have some confidence as yeah. well right yeah when folks are actually appreciative of what they do but yeah totally. it's an interesting trap i you know i don't want to let something go we right at the beginning we were talking about the associate you're working with that accidentally deployed to production yeah and and you know and then they have to get over it so to speak yeah like my first thought i'm tend towards the five wise approach is like Let's start with how the heck it was possible for you to make Absol- that mistake. Absolutely. Mm. So I, I totally agree. And, th- and that was part of the discussion. I'm glad you pulled that back again mm-hmm. of, well, why does production look like test? Yeah. Right. You know, that was one of the first things that sure. we were talking yeah. about. And let's actually go and completely change that. Yeah. And mm. Why are the logon details for production the same as you use on test? There's a lot of stuff there. Or mm-hmm. the difference between one character and the password or right. something like or, that. Or you know? They shouldn't even be close to each other. Yeah, yeah. completely. It should be color-coded. Case. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Completely. So absolutely, I but agree it, with you. It's... it's but I, I think that self-blame stops people looking at the lessons. It doesn't stop other people looking at the lessons. Yeah. Well, and the trap but it can stops often be you. they stop at be more careful next time. They put it entirely on themselves. Yeah. And that yes. is not good root cause analysis. But, and that and that's what his little note means. Yeah. Do not go online. Yeah. You know, that's not helpful. He did be wasn't deliberately careful. on live anyway. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> when you go down that pr- prosecution of, of the of the root cause like that, the team's taking on the crisis. Yeah. Right? It's really a statement that says, could have happened to any of us. Yeah. Don't want it to happen to any of us ever again. And yeah. let's get together and make sure it doesn't happen. And what else. can I individually as a team member do to make sure it doesn't happen right. next time? What could I have done better? Yeah. yeah. And it's because that's, that's actually a process problem, right? Mm-hmm.
Completely. The, well, the, I, I the think... culture problem is you didn't address it, right? Mm. <laughs> you know, the culture that says, hey, I want to be sure this doesn't happen to anybody and, and don't be more careful in that time is not a strategy. Yeah. Mm. And, and so culturally everyone around him was doing those other things, but he right. wasn't. Yes. And, and that was mm. the issue, I think, yeah. was kind of how he can move in, move through that. Yeah. Because he's be part of the solution. Right? Yeah. Mm. And, yeah. and actually recognize that while it wasn't our favorite outcome, it made us better. Yeah. Right. They'd Completely. And that problem was there. Yeah. Whether or not we knew it was there yeah. or had you, thought you get, about you have it. You to be a little bit grateful that he, it's shown. Exactly. He has found the issue. And that's something to be celebrated. Yeah. How does punishment fit into development? How I mean, we talk about management a lot, mm -hmm. but how does it fit into development? Punishment-driven development mm -hmm. is, is the whole idea. So, uh, do it with a do, very I, sarcastic British tone. I'm <laughs> of course, <laughs> yeah, of yeah. course. British I, I people feel are like never I, sarcastic. I, I don't know what you mean. They're occasionally ironic. <laughs> I feel like my compiler punishes me every time I hit build, but uh, <laughs> that's a different issue. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, it's more about the people interactions and how that we believe, for example, bonus schemes. Right. We believe that we're being nice and we are rewarding things, yeah. but it's a form of punishment also. You know, um, a bonus scheme is it can be depends how it's formed. Yeah, I guess what's a good scheme versus a bad scheme. Like so if we have, for example, I, I spoke to a product owner, um, around a year ago now, mm -hmm. and he was telling me about a, a scheme that he ran, so he was responsible for the bonuses in the team. Mm -hmm. Right. And so he gave the bonuses as an inversely proportional to the number of bugs he found in UAT. Oh, so I the see. more bugs, the lower the... Lower that. So oh, that, that sets splits. up a bad incentive. Yeah. Wow. yeah, the best way to have no bugs, don't write code. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. So the people who are lazy, who this is can be the only people that this was aimed at. Right. Because people who are already trying to write the best code they can can't write any better code anyway. And, right. and you can go the other way by saying, okay, the number of lines of code that you write is yes. directly... Also going to be toxic too. Also yeah, toxic yeah. because I, we don't want... The goal isn't to write lines and lines of code. It's to write the best code. I've also had one uh, organization I worked at where there was an objective for all of the developers to have something like no more than 0.3 bugs per man day of coding. And Again. the testers had the opposite. Right. So Find immediately you have I, that. One of the fight ways I can succeed is to make sure that person fails. Exactly. Yeah. How is that going to get a single team? You yeah. know, the second I was told about that, I said, well, that's going to set up a really difficult relationship. I was only a day or two into the sure. organization and they went, Oh, yeah, we have a very difficult relationship. And oh, oddly enough. Here's <laughs> something interesting. Um, and I know the editor is listening to this show. <laughs> My editors. We also have a, a bonus uh, scheme, ah. but it's based on um, the amount of work that the QA person has to do. You know, in other words, the quality of whatever gets produced. So if there are, are problems that have to be punted back after the QA listens to it, then the bonus is off. But, uh, but if, you, if you do your job well essentially is what it's saying mm -hmm. you know if you pay attention to detail mm -hmm. and try to produce the best show you can mm -hmm. and there's a bonus for you so i'm much more interested in bonuses that are about the end product right right so you're all working as a single team mm -hmm. yeah. so if there's something that's around the quality of what gets deployed live right you know that i would have far less issue with yeah than something that's about something at a stage gate going yeah. through. If you have an issue with a particular developer giving test things that are not ready for test, then you handle that as a yeah, sure. as a, something that needs to be handled. You don't try and monetize it. Yep. Because you're assuming they're doing it because they're lazy rather than because no, no, it's they a, don't think yeah. that way. Or, it's about you giving know, they an incentive to, to pay attention to detail. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and if you've got a really great tester who can rip through and find bugs and you both get rewarded for high quality code great you know do you find a balance uh, a balance there i don't like these zero sum game scenarios mm -hmm. i yeah. win says you lose yeah, yeah. that's completely. where we get into traps i've also right. seen bonus systems based on there's a pool of money and one of you could get it all you're going to have to divvy it up one way or the other Ooh, glenn gary glenn ross yeah, comes to mind absolutely <laughs> destructive right it's like as soon as you create an incentive that i don't have to be the fastest i just have to trip you yeah you know that's pretty sick yeah 
bonus schemes generally, I mean, if, if we're talking sort of at a higher level as well within the organization, a management mm. level, mm -hmm. a bonus scheme that's driven off of an objective, which actually now is not that relevant anymore, mm -hmm. but it starts to get pushed through because they're going to get more money in their right. bonus so, if yeah, it gets done. That's a broken yeah. scheme. Sure. Get into a situation where we're actually doing harm to the company to benefit yep. ourselves. Yeah. 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 It's great. And those things change over time. So they have to be able to change. Yeah. You know? yeah. Incentives need to change based on uh, requirements and, and I think outcomes. also, though, the assumption that people are driven by money is kind of yeah. rude. A little bit. Yeah. Well, up to this Daniel Pink's drive, right? Was yeah. really that whole conversation that up to the point of your bills are paid, that yes. you can live a, a, a comfortable life, yeah. nothing extravagant. After that, money is demotivating. Money actually becomes toxic. Mm -hmm. And that, that autonomy, mastery, and purpose are more important elements. Absolutely. And I think in software, we pretty much start there. Yeah. You know, this is a pretty high-paying industry all around. Yeah. Yep. And and autonomy, mastery, purpose. I mean, why do you think open source exists? Because mm. people don't get those things in their work, so they go create it elsewhere. It's it's remarkable, really. Yeah. It's true. Completely. Hey, Richard. Yeah, buddy. Guess what time it is now? Uh, must be that happy time again. Right. Time to experience some punishment-driven humor. Just I, like I, every other show. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> I wasn't going to say that. So, sometimes you just have to name it. Just, you know? just there it <laughs> is. Just put yeah. it out there. Like and, oh, that's what we've that's been experiencing. That's what that was. All along. It's actually, <laughs> it's actually time to give away a D-Experience subscription from Developer Express to one lucky member of the .NET Rocks fan club. Uh, become a UI superhero with Dev Express UI controls and libraries and deliver elegant .NET solutions that address customer needs today and leverage your existing knowledge to build next-generation touch-enabled solutions for tomorrow. Whether it's an Office-inspired application or a data-centric analytics dashboard, DevExpress Universal ships with everything you'll need to build your best without limits or compromise. Learn more and download your free 30-day trial at devexpress.com slash superhero. Well, all right, buddy. Who's our winner? Today's winner, Richard, is Paul Buckers. Congratulations, Paul. Paul's glad for you, sir. And Paul just won the D-Experience subscription from DevExpress. That's like a $2,000 value mm -hmm. from DevExpress just, just for being a member of the .NET Rocks fan club. And if you don't know what that is, go to .NET Rocks.com, click on the big Get Free Stuff button, answer a few questions, and join the .NET Rocks fan club. We have thousands of members all over the world. And every show, we like to give away stuff from our sponsors. And every December, we give away a $5,000 technology shopping spree to one lucky member of the fan club. But you have to sign up to win. And we like to ask our guest, Louise, if you had $5,000 to spend on technology today. It doesn't have to be developer technology, by the way. What would you buy? Um, I'm going to be really bad and refuse to buy any technology at nice. all. Oh, okay. I, I'm going to give it to the hospice my sister works for. Terrible. And That's very bad. <laughs> Completely unreasonable. <laughs> and, and I'm going to walk away from the technology. There wow. you go. Good for yeah. you. I wouldn't argue with you there. <laughs> That's that's amazing. Yeah. Love it. Yeah, we we now now everybody who comes on the show is going to be <laughs> incentivized to one up Louise. You know, mm -hmm. oh, I feel like such a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the bigger one is it puts the pressure on the person who actually wins the prize at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, that that's to right. Charity. Hey, you're gonna you're gonna donate that, right? Right? Yeah. yeah. Sure, you are. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm in the awkward position of running a charity, so you mm. know. Well, you can make suggestions on where they might donate it. I then. can, mm. absolutely. I just don't actually like that conflict of interest. <laughs> <laughs> you spend your money the way you think you should spend your money. I know what I spend my money on. Yeah. I, I, do, I do appreciate scotch. that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, there's that. Too. I had a little scotch in my throat. <laughs> <laughs> so your sister works at a hospice? Yeah, she does. Tough yeah. gig, man. Yeah. That's, that's a, it's, it, is, it is tough. It's and, um, you know, they're so short of money. And even over Christmas, one of their uh, charity shops was broken into and uh, stuff was stolen. Yeah, yeah. That's a it's place that has so much wealth that it should be stolen from. Exactly. Mm. You know, it's just awful. Yeah. And, um, you know, hospices, I think, until you need it. I think the, the hugest support for hospices are people whose family, you know, have used it. Yeah. And they never stop raising money for them afterwards, yeah, you know. And, yeah. But it's something... In our cultures, I think that's almost you don't want to think about, right. so you no. don't. That's right. No, yeah. that's just to be feared, 
right? Yeah. And so it, the the concept of considering a death with dignity is beyond a lot of people until yeah. you are forced to yeah. and actually arguably see a less dignified death and say, mm. we should do better. Especially your own, and, you know? Yeah. The, the, I mean, the upside to your own death is then you don't worry about it much after that. <laughs> well, but, yeah. But, you know... To actually see, to, to appreciate the difference, you'll never stop wanting to put mm. energy into mm-hmm. that. Mm. Well, I'm glad I've come on and sort of cheered the whole program up. <laughs> yeah, it's great. <laughs> We've, yeah, not, we're not afraid of any of these subjects. No, no, we've dealt, dealt with enough of it mm. in our own lives to be Sure, that's to, what life is. Yeah, to take, to value it and actually want to put more energy into yeah. it. Yeah. But this whole idea of the beatings will continue until morale approves is, <laughs> you know, it's amazing how far companies get with such destructive behavior. It's not just companies though. I yeah. think it's individuals. Mm-hmm. I always, um, whenever I get a strong emotional response at work to something someone's done, yeah. if I just react to that naturally, it yeah. is never the best outcome. Right. Ever. Almost yeah. always the opposite. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of train myself um, in my personal life as well. And most of the time I manage it, but mm. there are uh, distinct exceptions where uh, if, I, my language. <laughs> <laughs> if I feel that emotion, I mentally step back and I just use it as that signal to do that yeah. and say, okay, what do I want out of this situation? Yeah. Cause you not know? reacting is not a good solution either. No, no. Right? not acknowledging a, an, an emotional moment is, it's toxic. So it isn't about suppressing that. Yeah, it's just yeah. about me saying, okay, I'm feeling that. Mm. What is a reasonable, what do I actually want here? Mm-hmm. So right. just a really stupid example from my personal life would be uh, one time when I got in the car, my car, and my husband had been in it, and it was all adjusted wrong. The mirrors were wrong. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was Hate all it. wrong. I had to move the seat and I just felt really annoyed. And he was getting in with me. Mm. So, you know, naturally I might have just snapped at him. Mm. And then I sort of take that mental step back and just go, is that reasonable? What do I want? And I go, well, actually, he drove me home last night. Right. Yeah. And I'd much rather he was driving able to see what was happening with ah. me. So actually, it's just not reasonable. And in that scenario. There's no way for him to put the mirrors back, right? <laughs> he doesn't sit in that same posture. Exactly. So. And mm. um, I was able to just let that go. So that's not the same as suppressing it. Sure. That's yeah. just asking yourself, where am I at with this? Oh, that's just silly. And yeah. I was able to give and not even raise with him that fact i yeah. you know here's here's what happens and you know we were i was talking about the polar aspects of personality types and and you know how we we just inherently mistrust our opposites and what can happen is you get these triggers and everybody has triggers right mm-hmm. and realizing then that you have them is really really important you know because we don't like ourselves when we have these complexes yeah. But, um, and, and it takes a lot of courage to sort of stare that in the face and, and, and because we can't imagine not being appalled by something, you know, we don't want to not be appalled by something that bugs us. But really, you have to, I, I had to do this myself. I had to battle some demons as well. And yeah, I asked myself, all right, am, am I really in danger here? Like, is this a real threat or is it a phantom menace? You know what I mean? Yeah. Is it just an illusion? Mm -hmm. And, you know, most of the time it's an illusion. Mm -hmm. It's just my reaction to something, which which may have been the result of something that got installed on me, you know, maybe a bullying or Mm -hmm. something like that when I was little. I have have no idea what it is by now, you know, but but it's something, something in my past must have been. And I really, it's not that I care about what it is because I'm, you know, I am myself. I'm always going to be myself. But realizing that it is just an overreaction yeah you know it's not right just because you have an emotion that's right but it's also not wrong just because you have an emotion either right. and yeah. um you know i i use that in the workplace um i had one situation where very new to an organization mm. uh i was sitting in a meeting and one of the people in the meeting was getting really angry with me yeah and i didn't know why right. i wasn't saying anything contentious yeah. i wasn't you know but he was getting really angry with me he was right. he, controlling his voice but only just and he mm-hmm. was kind of shaking and so he controlled himself but it was obviously very hard and he left the room and I've kind of I'm like literally two days into this organization wow. so I don't know anyone else in the room well right. enough yeah I did sort of say to them when he left what was that about and they couldn't tell me so that made me feel a little better right. that it wasn't something obviously yeah. that I'd done right but then what do you do about that I had quite a lot of emotions yeah 
you his behavior him? his behavior is quite unacceptable right. you and know you follow and him out it's like why are you you know can, yeah. can we get can we get into that because so, again there's a variety of what could be there really. exactly but we really need to realize that we're not responsible for other people's feelings Completely. and they're not responsible for ours totally either. i i kind of what I actually did was I kind of just went away and thought about it for a bit. Yeah. Um, and I thought, well, I don't think it can be what I was saying. Right, I don't yeah. think it can because there was nothing in it that anyone could take exception to that I can understand. It is remarkable how often other people's <laughs> distress is not actually about yeah, you. Yeah, right? exactly. It could have been a single word, though. So, that so, that yeah, is completely that's, benign. That's absolutely true. In yeah. any yeah. context, but, you know, to this person, it yeah. was a trigger and it was, you know, Niagara Falls. So <laughs> <laughs> my best guess was that maybe there was something happening outside of work or sure. something mm. that just had him on the edge and something I did that was small sort of pushed him over it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what I actually did after taking my emotion away and just having a think, what do I want? And what I wanted was a good working relationship with him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so what I did was to go up to his desk and say, I don't know what I said that upset you this morning, but whatever it was, I'm really sorry. Right. Yeah. And he just smiled and said, thank you. And that was it. Wow. And I so never, you never knew. It's Isn't actually quite funny? dissatisfying yeah. to never know, but that satisfaction is about me. Totally it's are. not about him. Yeah, yeah. And, I think but if I'd surely an admission that you were aware that he was upset yeah. and that that was not your intent. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But also letting him know that I didn't know what I had I'd yeah. done. So if I right. did the same thing again, I wasn't just being deliberately right. mean. Yeah. Um, but also I was giving him an out. If that was something, if I'd gone up to him and said, let's talk about this, yeah, right, which was yeah. my first thing, sure. you know, let's talk about this. Let's understand where it came from. He would have heard, let me tell you why you're a jerk. Exactly. Yeah, why you're stupid. I, yeah. I would have been making him justify his behavior <laughs> exactly. to me. That's a form of punishment as well. So although I'm all being all nice and kind of let's talk, mm. I'm actually punishing him sure. mm. by making him justify his behavior yeah. to me. Whereas that way I got what I wanted, which was a good working relationship, yeah. mm. and he was allowed to keep his dignity. Right. Well, yeah. he and then had a choice of how he wanted to proceed. Yeah. And chose not to explore it further. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that that's a sign that he isn't ready to deal with his uh, issues. Or he doesn't expect it to happen again. All right. Yeah. Like, maybe that's he true. does know it's him. Yeah. Right? And it's like, yeah, that's not going to happen yeah. again. But irrespective... Hmm. That's his choice. Totally. And then the control is back with him again. Yeah. yeah. And the only issue know, is if it happens. I mean, if it never occurred again, yeah. no harm, no foul. It's yeah. over, right? Yeah, yeah. If it's only when these things recur that then, you know, yeah. by the third time around. Well, that's why I liken a lot of these things to sort of various agile principles, et cetera. So if, if we think about lean startup and the experimentation, mm -hmm. that's how I view that kind of thing. Mm. Sure. That was my first experiment. I had a hypothesis. It was something outside of work. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, that was my first experiment to kind of see whether that, I actually expected it to fail. Mm -hmm. I'd never right. tried anything like that before. That, I could think of a bunch of other responses other than the one you got. Yeah. 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 And I, I expected it to fail mm -hmm. and then I would have another thing and I would try another thing. I was actually very shocked when that right. first one worked, but I was very glad it did. Mm -hmm. And you did go on to have a good working relationship, yes. which yeah. is interesting. Yeah. That's great. You know? Yeah. Well, not all outcomes look like that. <laughs> no, I, think, I think this is a conversation we need to have a little bit more often because we, we always talk about the technology side of development. But, yes. you know, ultimately it comes down to if you can't get along within your organization and learn how to navigate the morass of, of feelings and egos and all of that stuff, you're just going to bounce from job to job to job and sure. never be happy no matter what, no matter how good you are at development. Well, and, and I mean, I would argue for most development cases, there's very little the technology can't do. When projects are failing, it's not the technology. Right. This is more about how we work together than it ever is about the work we actually do. Mm. Uh, how do you help unwind a toxic situation? I mean, we certainly we had the the outsider scenario, but I can also see you get in and have been in organizations with basically two armed camps opposed to each other, and and thereby crippling each other's productivity. And. It happens more often than it should, that kind of thing. Or, or there's a group that's blamed all the time. Right. So, you know, let's, uh, the game of let's blame the BA kind of thing. Yeah, I know. You know, all of those sorts of things. And I, you know, that comes down to, um, 
I mean, Freud would call it the narcissism of small differences, right. where it's about these people are actually very similar to us, but yes. we've got to find the thing that makes us unique, yeah. and then we can hate them. You, you're never and more it makes angry. us more of an us. You're never yeah. more angry than anyone than your brother. Right? <laughs> I don't wow. have a brother, but, but I, I believe you. Yeah. I have a sister. Yeah, never more Obviously, angry. I'm never angry with okay. my sister. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know where you can see a lot of this play out? And I've seen this over the last year because I've been directly involved in it. Is Facebook groups? Do you have you been involved in private Facebook groups? Yeah. As soon as you have a private Facebook group, you've got a clan, and this <laughs> clan is always on the lookout for other Facebook groups that may be dissing you. <laughs> it's so high school. It's unbelievable. I deal with grown people who are really smart. And l listening to them, what they say about, oh, this person's posted, that person, I was a dig at you, oh, this and that, oh, screw those people, you know, and then they make jokes about them. And I'm like, wow, I just can't <laughs> believe the drama that, yeah. that people create once there's a, once there's an us and a them. It doesn't matter how well-intentioned everybody I, is. I think there's an inherent human thing around tribes. Yep. Oh, yeah. And for us to be in, we have to be able to define who's out. Yeah. And it can be really toxic. Very. Um, and, you know, it, the only way to get around it is to redefine the tribe. And yeah. that's quite hard to do. Yes, it is. But, it's right because these people could be the brightest, the best developers you've ever had, the best workers in their, the best in their business, and yet still suffer from these very human, uh, traps. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think for me in that type of situation, it's about trying to maybe get the guys to work together more, to reform totally what that team is. And, and really, if you think about agile principles, for example, mm. I think agile is about two things. One is it's about communications. Mm. And the other thing it's about is teams mm -hmm. and redefining that team as a cross-functional team that's mm. trying to achieve things together, mm -hmm. irrespective of whether it's an actual team within the organization. That doesn't really matter. Getting people to work together. And I, we also have quite a lot of people in software who are quite black and white thinking. So it's like, that's mm. the definition of their job. Right. They're supposed to do X, Y, and Z. They didn't do Y. Hey, binary is good. And I saw they didn't <laughs> do Y. Yeah. yeah. But it's their job to do why, so I didn't do why. Right. Yeah, yeah. It, that kind of thinking, and actually then I can blame them for the fact it didn't happen. And that's why you're getting back to your bonus uh, scheme. If it's all about, if you're the last person in the chain delivering, <laughs> delivering the product and your bonus yep. depends on it, you saw that person X didn't do Y. You just do why, because yep. get, guess what? That means that you're going to put out a better product. Well, I'd rather that everyone did why anyway. Right. Yeah. You know, you know, they didn't do why last time. Right. You know, they never do why. You right. cannot change their behavior. And yeah. now, so you, you get can a little courage. You can do, but you cannot, you are not in control of their behavior, and but you, you are in control of yours. Totally. And, and you, you get a little perverse pleasure in thinking, you know, if it weren't for me doing why, this person wouldn't have a job, you know, and it's and all even that better stuff. when no one even knows it was you that did why. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I saved yeah. the day and nobody knew. Yeah. And then notice the, the, that kind of toxic righteousness makes me crazy. Yeah. Right? It's like, yeah. But I also think we create that when we create adversarial relationships in the workplace. If it's not all one set of goals so that everybody's interested in delivering on the same thing, yeah. Yeah. then uh, it uh, you're never going to succeed anyway. Mm. Mm. But you do get person, you do get a righteous personality every so often. Says I am bearing too much of this, that, right? You know, and maybe there's something, you know, if that just suddenly comes up, it, maybe yeah. it's true, yeah. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And let's look at that and let's address if there are some issues. Agreed. Yeah. Um, but you know, quite often it is just there's a belief in how the world should be, right? And the world is not meeting my expectations. The world well, should change. The world <laughs> should change, and. That does not make you a happy person. No, no, it's a tough way to live. Yeah, really, really tough. You're setting yourself up for a big pile of disappointment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The world is not going to comply to you with your wishes in that scenario. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so what's next? What's next on your to-do list? Oh, gosh. Um, what's next on my to-do list? Um, I guess, we're, well, I'm going back to work at work. We've just had permission to reorganize ourselves into a cross-functional way of working nice. rather than we've always been very traditionally functionally based. And I'm mm -hmm. very excited about that. So that's going to be a big change to the organization, the way we work. Wow, that's great. Um, I'm a, and I'm also getting out into the organization and running quite a lot of lean projects out 
nothing to do with software at all. Yeah. Cool. Wow. And that's been really effective. It is really interesting to s- explore these practices outside of the digital world because yeah. there's some elements that are very easy to apply. You know, we take for granted that we can recreate things that cost of failure is low and so mm. forth. Uh, when you deal with more physical goods or when you deal with people, those things just don't move as quickly. Yeah. And so there are limits that you bang against. And, yeah. Uh, I'm big advocate that there isn't one right way. Yeah. There's a bunch of ways to get to all of these goals. You just got to be aware of the, what those issues actually I, are. I, I yeah. think you need to be aware of the different kinds of tools that are in your toolbox, sure. what they're good for. And you pick and choose. You mm-hmm. pick and choose the tools that suit this team at this point to do this job. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you let them pick and choose their own tools and you kind of, you work through. But it's, unless you understand these different tools that right. are coming and why they're there. Yeah. You see so much, um, Agile in particular over the last five years or so has become very dogmatic. Yes. It's very much, these are the rules. Yeah. And I've heard that said. I've sat in a meeting where yeah. people have, a retrospective where people have said, we're spending too much time in meetings. Mm. And they were told, mm. that's the process. Let's have a meeting tomorrow <laughs> to discuss this. <laughs> and, you know, the second you hear that kind of phrase, you know, yeah, that we don't know you're why in we're trouble. Doing this. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah. Why are we standing up for the stand up? Mm. You know? Why have a stand-up at all yes. if you all are literally co-located and you chat all the time? Right. You don't need a stand-up. No. But you need to understand what the stand-up's for to make that decision. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because you, you just open the meeting with, do yeah. you, does everyone know what everyone else is working yeah. on? If mm-hmm. we're actually there, good, let's yeah. go. And there are some mm-hmm. things in my organization that need some of a waterfall approach. I work for a financial institution. We have regulation. There's lots of discussion needs to happen with the yes. regulator about mm-hmm. what they want yeah. and what our interpretation of that regulation is going to be. That needs a specification sure. about what needs to be done. Yeah. I also think that in any given group, there's louder ones and quieter ones. And often the louder ones are like, I don't know why we're here. And often it's actually so the quieter ones have a voice. Yeah. You know, give a chance. Yes, I know you're certain. You think you know what everyone else is doing. Right. But have yeah. you actually heard? I suspect a couple of them, if they spoke, will say things you don't know. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, this is great advice, Louise. Wow, thanks. It's been a great conversation. It's been Probably. a while since we pressed against this sort of thing on the show. Agreed. Uh-huh. We should do more of it. We definitely should. Thank you again. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got a transmitter band by the FCC.